I'm Miriam from NUI Galway, and this is a podcast from Epiphany at the 2019 Galway International Arts Festival. Epiphany is a play by Brian Watkins, which is about friends coming together who haven't seen each other in a long time. It's about protecting traditions, but also moving forward and dealing with the stresses and strains of modern life. I spoke to the cast about this fantastic production and began by introducing them to the Arts Festival audience. Um, I'm going to begin by asking these wonderful people to introduce themselves because I have an immortal fear of introductions and not too dissimilar from starting off the party and getting people's names wrong. It's just too much for me. So I'm going to get them to, to introduce themselves and maybe just say a little bit about where they're from and what they're doing because Irish people like to know where they're from. And I'll just have uh, a bit of crack. And please um, ask a question or tell us a comment or if you bring up the memory, share it. You're in the theatre, and the theatre is a place where you're supposed to make a show of yourself. Um, and we welcome that and actively encourage it. So please feel free to, to get stuff in, put up your hand, we'll get the mic moving around. Um, and then again, to go to the wider staff who are watching this ministry, you will go home. But okay, I want to begin, and um, if I can talk. Oh no, I want to begin with introductions. Uh, I'm Brian Watkins, I'm the writer, and uh, from New York. <laughs> Bill Irwin, the eldest member of the cast, and born in California, but lived the longest length of my life in New York. I'm uh, Gary Hines, and I'm from Bath Green, County Roscommon, but lived the longest of my life in Stairs too are very much a nod to, to Dubliners, uh, in two stories in general, uh, 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 specifically rather, Grace and the Dead. Uh, Grace begins with the staircase and the Dead sort of ends with the staircase as well. Um, and I just loved um, the, the sort of timeless interchange that allowed uh, to happen. But um, 
Yeah, it all began with those. And uh, Gary, I'm going to move on to the question for you, if I may. Um, I'm just talk a little bit about and its relationship with new playwrights. Because not only do you stage a lot of contemporary playwrights, you, you go off and find these new playwrights, bring these plays to full production, take them all around the world, and, and you look at other very different points to see them. How did you come into contact with Brian? What about this play told you it was a brilliant thing? Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of summing up about a year of a process. Um, Essentially, uh, Brian sent um, uh, sent a play at this called Wyoming <coughs> Company, and um, I was recommended to read it, and I read it, and I was really, really impressed. But it was an American play, rather than an American play called Wyoming, uh, and I said, you know, is this some agent in America submitting the work? Um, you know, because that's what agents are supposed to do. I get their work staged, they submit them all over the world, China, anything, doesn't matter even what theory they're imagining for. And instead, I was handed a letter uh, where uh, uh, Brian uh, clearly made a very sort of, a very eloquent letter which said, uh, I've seen good productions, I've been uh, impressed and influenced, and I think that you know my work might find a home uh, here. I thought, oh wow, so he really specifically sent this play specifically to us. And suddenly I just began to think in a different way about it. So I met him as soon as I could. We had conversations. And then um, we started to make a commitment to production to Brian and started discussing how that might be, when it might happen, and so on. And at the same time, he said he was working on a play um, which was, was based on source material of, of, of the dead. And I said, that sounds absolutely fascinating, can I see it? And he said, no, you can't, and I said, <laughs> And I read it, and I began a period of about a couple of months um, wondering, um, uh, we were totally convinced by all this, it's an absolutely wonderful play, but the, perhaps the best way to introduce uh, uh, Brian's work to, to our audiences was through uh, epiphany instead. And it was just kind of really sharply argued uh, thing in my mind. And after about, oh, I suppose two months of thinking this, I turned around to, I had a conversation with Brian, and I said, look, this, this is what we want to do. And um, after a lot, lot of thinking about it, he agreed that that, that was the right thing to do. And so we set schedules uh, every week. So, you know, all I can say about the whole process is that having been what it, it was almost 45 years, um, it's an extraordinary place to be in, to have not one play for, from a new writer demanding a production, but two plays, and having to argue with yourself of which one to go for. <laughs> that is highly unusual. <laughs> Marie, if I may, Horkin uh, is the nicest lady character, I think, I have ever come from. You just want to give her a bit of COVID to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad in all the fans. I nearly <laughs> just killed off in the sweet spot here. But then the other thing that this point has is that even though she has all these friends and they do adore her, it's clear that they haven't visited her in years. Yeah. So something's missing then in the yeah. communication and relationships. And I wonder if you could just give us a bit more of an insight into what you were thinking about Morgan and these relationships as, as you were developing. 
But I try and, and, and do that. I mean, Gary usually doesn't let me speak, so. Thank <laughs> you. 
such a way that the guests, because it's been dropped in the snow, can't actually read the very important words that he's specifically chosen. So, um, so yeah, it was sort of, a, I guess, a process of kind of deconstructing that speech a little bit and, and seeing what really resonated with me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite fun to resurrect that thing and, and put it in the hands of these great actors. And, yeah. To resurrect the dead. <laughs> there you go. Very good. <coughs> okay. I wanted to know what Gabriel thinks of a, a, an apology figure, or what the messenger, or what was the significance of Gabriel, you would say? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you, can't, you can't hear the name Gabriel and not think of, of an archangel. You know, I think that's, I think that's uh, Joyce intended that. I think I, I intended that. And what does that mean when someone like that doesn't arrive, um, and and Grace's character arrives instead. Um, but but I think um, the absence of that felt to me right. Felt to me what the play wanted to be about was was about the absence of that sort of divine presence, as it were. Um, and I, I remember an early conversation that you and I had, Gary, was. I said, well, the play kind of takes this idea of the dead and says, well, you know, what if, what if the main character doesn't show up? What if Gabriel doesn't show up? And, and both of us kind of said, that might work, or that, there, there's, some, there's something to that, I think, but. Yeah. Well, absolutely, I mean, uh, you know, um, the sense of uh, commitment that everybody has to, to, you know, that somebody will know everything. Somebody will bring the answer, yeah. somebody will, bring um, a meaning and a sense of order and a sense of, you know, what the future should be. I don't think there's anybody uh, who actually thought that. And whether it's a religious god they believe in or somebody else or to live your life for someone else, etc. So I think it's one of the most extraordinary inventions um, is, is that of the play. And it being this moment in time, it's striking how Gabriel is an internet celebrity. The characters have not met him, other than maybe once. James met him long ago. They haven't met him, but they're thrilled to know that he's coming. And there is a 
there is a reflection on the place of the web in our lives. Yeah, thank you for that. Hi, may I just ask you about the ending of the play, the last sentence seems to be kind of a downer in us. <laughs> 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 you know, when what has gone before, you know, ended on, a, on an up note, and you know, they just obviously left people or whatever, and then left ways with all of you. Maybe, yeah. Can I just ask you what, what, what's that? Yeah, so, sorry about that. We really, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. It, uh, <clears throat> True. <laughs> we, we think, um, we had a new ending, of, uh, I, I brought in a new ending for the play about uh, two weeks into rehearsal that, that I felt, um, was in a, an important change that I said before we read it. I thought this is gonna this is gonna kind of bring us down a few notes, but I think it's what we have to do. Um, and, and which is to say that there is um, this sort of imminence um, at the bottom of those stairs. There is uh, absence is a very real thing, and and impermanence is a very real feeling that I think we all deal with. Um, and it was always kind of a big swing of the play that I felt to set up all of this kind of comedy and then to suddenly introduce the death of a character. Um, but to me, that, that's a bit what life feels like. Um, it feels a bit like um, uh, sometimes one day can, can take the life out of you. Um, and Harold Clerman has this wonderful quote that says, uh, make them laugh and then while their mouths are open, you pour truth in. And, and I've always uh, aspired to that, not saying we're um, fully executed as, as beautifully as Harold Clerman does, but, um, but it, felt, it felt more personal, it felt more right, I think. Yeah, there's a gentleman here, and then a gentleman there. Do, do you think you gave science a fair shot in its phase the world? No, I, I don't think any argument gets a fair shot in, in, in an hour and 45 minutes, and I think that's one of the weird aspects of theater is that it's, it's written in water and you never really have enough time to, 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 to go into um, what, a, what an op-ed might go into. Um, and, and, and in that same way, I think it's, um, it's kind of beautiful in that sense, that it's kind of reliant upon the human exchange of the idea as opposed to the, the, the central ideology of the idea itself. Um, so we always tried to say, the arguments aren't necessarily, the play's not necessarily trying to make one point or another point. It's more about sort of the, the pathways of how those ideas are communicated yeah. across this table. Can I throw my question in then uh, to follow that one? Do you think the play's finished? <laughs> Singers. Yeah. Uh, someone once told me plays are never finished, they're only abandoned. Um, I think that's true. Would you like to were they actually eating Julia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think right now, if I can just intervene, say I want to uh, send out an extraordinary thank you to our uh, wonderful uh, stage management and crew, who they are eating that food, eating <laughs> sweet food, and stage management actually cooks that or prepares that every night. So. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> Very soon. Yes, ma'am, can I ask him, did you, did, did anybody, did it, were people um, able to grasp the, the story? I mean, I feel that people are, and this reminds us of something that happened in Dublin, the, the, the two men in Dublin, a friend of mine once said, did you kill Gabriel? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, I, I, I mean, you kind of don't know what you have in a play until you, until you see it on its feet, uh, and, until you see a, a few performances of it, even. And um, in that way, there's this kind of mystical relationship with, with the play. The script is just kind of a blueprint, um, and theater is so wonderfully collaborative that um, every new step is just kind of a great adventure of adding on cast or design and so on and so forth. But I, I will say that the Druid Ensemble are some of the most collaborative people I've ever worked with. And, and in that way, you feel completely supported as a, as a writer, as a, as a living writer, as you said. And um, in that sense, it's sort of all hands on deck, which is a wonderful feeling to experience. Um, and I, I, it's worth noting that the, the, the riskiness of, there's not many new plays written with nine people on stage the majority of the time in one scene without any scene breaks. And the sheer chutzpah of Gary Hines to take that on um, is, is quite remarkable. Um, and I think that's a testament to, to, the, to what the company's about, um, to, to saying yes to, to what they believe in and not necessarily uh, what is safe. And, and that, as a writer, is very encouraging. about your take on Irish theatre, if I may, because when this is all over, you're back in your engine room, 
you're hit by scripts, you're seeing productions. This is a play which is a great example of how we nod to uh, our lineage and our ancestry and sort of pay homage um, to that great tradition of Irish playwriting and literature that we have, but still move forward and, and do our own thing that's relevant to the moment. And I suppose I'd love to hear your thoughts on what it is you think from the tradition of Irish theatre we hold on to and how is Irish theatre perhaps changing? Well, I think what we hold on to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a sort of elder lemon at this stage and I don't change easily as the plays. We hold on to the thing that I discovered. I mean, and I literally didn't discover it until my mid 20s, uh, despite having a, a BA uh, in, in English from NUIT, is the extraordinary richness of the Irish literary canon. Like four centuries of great writing, four centuries of great. Uh, writing like uh, Parker and so on and so forth, and then a century of great writing that started from Sin on down. I mean, it's an enormous, to, to, to be in the theatre, to have that, to be in that context, is both incredibly frightening and incredibly supportive. But if that's to mean, if that's to mean anything, we have to do those plays, we also have to do new plays by new people, by people who are maybe not, uh, automatic choices. Um, I mean, is anybody going to turn around and say, this is a great new Irish play? No, they're not, because it's an American writer. But, you know, it, in some way, we're just, we're trying to find the line that connects us now, not, not, not that connects us just as Irish people, not connects us just as Galway people, but connects us in these ways that all the changes in the last 10 to 15 years have forced us to think about. <coughs> and I think the theater, the theatre uh, that supports, nourishes, and pays tribute to and trusts the writer is a theatre that always will be new. Yeah. Yeah. And Brian, if I can give you the final words, could you tell us what your hopes are for Epiphany or the future? Uh, 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 an audience like yourselves tomorrow night. <laughs> 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 um, I want to conclude firstly by apologizing to all the master students from Brown and NYU. I just believe that's only good for you, Thank you very much. Um, and thanks to all of you guys for hanging on and, and making a lovely evening even lovelier. There's just something magical, I think, about the arts festival about coming in to see the new Drew production. And so as well as we're going to give a, a major rule of us to, to yourselves, to the people here, also I suppose to all the people you can see who will never get on the in July and are working very hard. And just our thanks to them for hanging on and letting us have this conversation.